0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast. Our mission of teaching people to love God by showing them how much He loves us starts right now. In
1: 1972, 39 years ago, a movie was released, okay? And it was really the first of its kind. It was called A Thief in the Night. Some of you remember that, some of you don't. It was based upon the rapture of the church and how a young girl did not receive Christ and was left to navigate the rapture, the tribulation, the ending. And basically, I didn't see the movies until the late 80s, okay? So don't judge. Don't be like, 1972, how old are you? Okay, stop that right now. I didn't see it till the late later eighties, but I had gotten saved at 17. I remember, and then I remember watching this movie. And I I gotta be honest with you, I was crying seeing this movie. Now, if you watch it today, you're going, Oh my goodness, we have changed so much in TV, but it was it's like it's like the seventies. I mean, you know what I mean? And I remember guys, I remember watching it and, and I felt so broken. And, 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 and and I just, I had this fear for my family. I was like, I've got to tell people about, this is, because, because not only did they have one movie, but they had a sequel and another, they had a total of four movies. But this one is the one that was, boom, the, the rapture of the church. Now. Now, 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 labor with me for just a moment. We, we've had other rapture movies. If you recall, there was the, do you guys remember the Left Behind series with Kirk Cameron? Now, we had the books first, but then we had Kirk Cameron star. And, um, then we, um, we later on had, um, a, a remake of Left Behind starring Nicolas Cage. And, and all of that was different. Didn't really deal with, with the aftermath more than, um, what had happened based upon the books. But, but, but listen, listen. The rapture, the rapture of the church has been debated for years. A lot of people will come up to me and say, well, you can't say there's a rapture because rapture is not in the Bible. And they'll debate it, but, but let me do this. Instead of, I'm gonna break it down for us in just a little bit, but let me do this. Let me give you some, um, main views. Let me give you, there's four main views that comes to the rapture of the church. Four of them. Okay, you can jot this down so you know. Number one, there are those people who say there is no rapture. There is no rapture, okay? The Lord is not coming back. It's He's not going to hardpozo the church. There is no rapture. And they're going to think, and basically as Christians, they believe, okay, that they're going to literally just go through whatever tribulation until the second coming of Jesus when he comes back. Now, again... The problem with that is that we have Thessalonians that talks about it. And so they go, well, no rapture, but okay, so, so, so what they do is they go, well, yeah, I know it's in scripture. And what they do is they tend to move to what a, a preterist view, a preterist view. And a preterist view holds this. It holds that the prophecies in the Bible about end times or eschatology have already been fulfilled. So you and I would go, Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, what about Thessalonians? You'd go, it's already happened. It's already happened. All of them? Like the hard pazel? The the snatching away? Huh. Well, that's their view. The second view is a what we call a pre-tribulation rapture. A pre-tribulation. This is the person who believes that Jesus is coming back before the tribulation. The imminent return of Jesus. This is what he believes right here. Okay? Now, this is where we land as a church. We believe that the Lord could come back at any moment. We're ready to go. We're ready to go. Okay? The third view is what we call the mid-trib. Anybody hear that? The mid-trib. And the mid-trib rapture is those who believe that Jesus is going to come back right at the three and a half mark. Okay? He's going to hard pause. Everybody know what a hard means? It means to be snatched up quickly. So right about the three and a half mark, okay? So the church is going to kind of enter into the tribulation. And there are a lot of people who go, oh my goodness, with the coronavirus and all of this stuff, I feel like we're in the tribulation. But right about the three and a half year when the Antichrist steps up and does the abomination of desolation in the temple, the Lord's going to come back. That's their view, mid-trib. Then you have the fourth, and the fourth is known as the post-trib. That means that the church is going to go through the tribulation. God is going to protect us, but the church is going to go through the tribulation, and at the seven-year mark, the Lord's going to come back, hard puzzle the church, turn around, and come back, which is known as the second coming. And you'll have those. Now, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Every one of these, you can make an argument for. But over my years of studying, guys, I have seen more of pre-trib than any of the rest. But we can argue. We can argue. And you, you can sit there and argue. You go, No, 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 it's mid-trib, it's mid-trib. No, I'm a pre-trib. And, and listen, that's not essential as long as you're saved. It's not essential. We, as long as you be saved. And here's the thing, Mike. Mike, if 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 my friend Mike goes, no, I'm I'm a mid-tribber. I am a mid-tribber. I'll say, okay, well, I'll tell you what's going on on the way up, so you know what's happening. Okay? Mike's going, what happened? I said, pre-trib. Or he'll tell me. I'll be like, we're still here. Yeah, told you. The point is, here's where we stand. We stand based upon the pre-trib, and I'll tell you why. One of, just one of, that, uh, of, of, of the evidences is, is that right at the end of chapter 3, right at the end of the church age, the Lord says to John, who is writing this, come up here. And then you don't hear about the church anymore. Up until that point, you say, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so you go, oh. So from chapter 4 all the way to chapter 19, he's dealing with what's going on here on earth, and the church is not here, at least in the scripture. That's where we led. Now, as I told you before, we've started a series. Now, I remember back back in December as I was praying, God, where do you want us to go Next. I know people want to feel, okay, so I I said we're in a series called Living in, now I call it a series because we're only going to do about 8 to 10 to 12 weeks just based on this, okay? And here's what we did. We took a step back and we looked, we looked at the characteristics of those that are on the earth during the last days. Do you guys recall? It was Paul writing to Timothy and we talked about this for two whole weeks, 2 Timothy chapter 3, 1 through 5. Listen, here's what he says. But know this. What's that, Paul? In the last days, that's us, perilous times will come. Guys, that word perilous, you know what it means. It means times of intense stress. Like boiling pot stress. I think it's safe to say we're there. I think it's safe to say. He says, in the last days. Now, Now, remember. Peter also said that from the time Jesus ascended, he thought those were the last days. So for 2,000 years, we've been living in the last days. But he says, here's some things. Check it out. He says, for men will be lovers of themselves in the last days. Can I add a game in? Do we not see that? Lovers of themselves. But it says lovers of money. So I love me. I want me. I want everything I want. And money. I got to have money. And we see that. We see such corruption in our world. The problem is, is that Paul is writing to Timothy about the church. Do we see this in the church? Do we see men in the church, lovers of themselves? All about it for money. Boasters proud, blasphemers. Do we have any kids that are disobedient to their parents? No. No. Do we have anyone that's unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving? Do we have any people in the church that are slanderers, without self-control, Brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. He says, having a form of godliness but denying the power and from such people turn away. So we went out on a limb the last two weeks and we said, listen, we've seen this. We broke it down. This is going on right now. This is going on right now. And so the last two weeks, we've unpacked this beautiful portion of Scripture and what it means, and we discovered in the process that we are in the final days before Jesus comes back. Now, I know what you're thinking. Pastor, I got a question. What if Jesus doesn't come back for another five or ten years? That's still pretty soon. Now, Pastor, I'm getting old. What if I don't live? Another few years. Well, we're going to talk about that because that's important. That's, that's important. That's in scripture. But what I'm wanting to do with all of my heart is to prepare you for what could happen next. Why? Because guys, if you and I have our eyes on heaven and we go, this could happen, then we're going to live life to the fullest. Okay. We really are. We're going to hug a little longer. We're going to be in the moment a little bit longer. We're not going to be so easily um, teed off. We're not going to, we're going to be like, okay, in light of what's going, Jesus, Jesus. And, and again, this is what I want you but I want you to keep your eyes ready. I want you to be ready. I want you to get up every morning and say, might be today. Might be today, Lord. Whew, that would be so cool. But then what does it do, Mike? What does it do? It puts something in you that goes, I've got to tell people. I've got to tell people. I've got to tell people. See, y'all don't know this because you came at 10 o'clock, but as we drove up to the church this morning, there were two people camping out right there outside the church. And when I mean camping out, I mean literally, they had a United States flag, they had a dog, I mean, they were living in our porch. They're homeless. And they, and, and, and bless their heart, guys. They saw us coming in, getting ready for church. And so they loaded up their bandwagon. They, but, but I went out there and, and I was talking to them. How are you guys doing? You all right? And I took a blessing bag. Here's some food. And I went out and I took them some, here's some money. You guys need some money. Here, buy some food. This, this is what we're about. But the point is, is that at the very end, I went out there and I told the lady, you need Jesus. Yeah, well, we, we we would like to come to church. I said, amen. But listen, church doesn't save you, Jesus. And she begins to cry. She's crying. And she's like, I said, listen, this life is going to end shortly. Where you spend eternity? And she's crying. I said, are you saved? Guys, we don't have time to mess around. Listen, if God is putting it, like if we're going out, if God brings them to us, he wants us to talk to them. If God puts somebody in your path, Tamri, He wants you to talk to them. If God goes out of His way to go, boom! Okay, Lord, I'm gonna, I know you will. I know you will. I know. And, and, and again, that's, that's where we need to be. We need to be living life like never before. Enjoying it. Laughing. Ooh, I know it's hard because it's stressful times. I know it's hard. You don't want to pull your hair out sometimes. But this reminds me. Okay, Lord, you could come back today, Santos. Do you want to come back and and and, and Jesus come back and you be mad, or and you're gone? He was like, "Oh man, I went, I went home and I was mad." Or do you want to be going? Okay, praise God, praise the Lord, Amen, Amen. So what happens next? What happens next? There are people who would say, okay, but hold on, Jesus can't come back until we see the setting up of the Ezekiel War, talked about in Ezekiel 38 and 39, and uh, we're going to look at Ezekiel in a couple of weeks, we're going to look at Ezekiel 22, and then we're going to look at Ezekiel 38, so I'm going to show you, but there are people who said that, but quite honestly, if you look at Scripture, it doesn't really say when, if that's before or after. If the Word of God said, okay, after Ezekiel 38, after we see this invasion from the north to Israel, then be ready, well, then you and I would be looking at that invasion. But, but we don't know. We don't know. We don't know. So, the only thing, guys, prophetically, that's about to happen it's what we call the hardpazo of the church. The hardpazo. The imminent return of Jesus. The imminent. Now, let me take you back to that movie once again, okay? Anybody see A Thief in the Night? Anybody see it? Besides me? One, two, three, yeah. Okay. The, the opening scene of A Thief in the Night... Was a very sobering song. The song is entitled, I'd Wish We'd All Been Ready. DC Talk remade the song a little bit later on, but listen to the words for just a moment. Listen to the words. It says, life was filled with guns and wars, and everyone got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. I mean, you know that song. I mean, you know that song. You know that song? Children died, the days grew cold, a piece of bread could buy a bag of gold. I wish we'd all been ready. This is at the beginning. It says, and here's what got me. Ready? There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. And then he goes on. A man and wife asleep in bed. She hears a noise and turns her head. He's gone. I wish we'd all been ready, two men walking up a hill, one disappears and one left standing still. That's why I made sure not to walk with anybody up a hill, okay? There's no time to change your mind. The sun has come and you've been left behind. That really just got, I was like, wow. So what happens next? What happens next? Well, let's look at what God says is going to happen next. First, Thessalonians, guys, chapter 4. We're picking it up today in verse 16, and it reads, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Okay. Now, I've got to give you some background, because we've heard that over and over and over and over. The Apostle Paul, guys, is writing a love letter to a little church in what we would call modern-day Greece, called Thessalonica, okay? That's, there's really in that place. He's writing this letter. Now, let me remind you, Paul was on his second missionary journey, okay, and he came and he planted this little church. And Paul plants the church, and he spends three weeks there. And what he does is he, he he plants the church, he waters the church, and after three weeks, the Bible says the Jews, who were not persuaded, becoming envious, took some evil men from the marketplace, gathering a mob, set all the city in an uproar, and attacked the house of Jason, and sought to bring them out to the people. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away to Berea, and when they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. Okay, now stay with me. It's been about a year and a half since they heard anything from Paul. Okay, so here's what happened. Paul comes in, he plants the church, he's, he's watering the church, and these men, these evil men, they rush and they, take, and, they, and they boot Paul out, right? They chase him out of the city. Now the church is still going, but they haven't heard anything from Paul in a year and a half. They haven't heard anything. Okay. And you go, okay, I'm with you, pastor. I'm with you. Someone then, everybody say someone, comes into that little church and begins to spread lies. We haven't heard from Paul. You go, what did they say? They come in and they go, Hey, guys, guys, listen. Um, I have some bad news. And the church goes, what? Um, you haven't heard from Paul, right? No. I got to tell you, the, 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 the rapture of the church already happened. And y'all are left behind. That's what he said. Now, a side note to me is the guy who told them they were left behind was also left behind. So, not sure how this little church, they're like, well, so are you. But listen, 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 listen. I believe there are going to be pastors... We're going to be the same way going, hey man, the church, Jesus came and and it's in the movies, but they'll say, but but why, why were you left behind? And he'll say, well, you know what? I wasn't really walking with God. I mean, I, I can put a sermon together, but I wasn't dependent on the Holy Spirit. And let me get back to the story. So the guy comes in and says, hey, listen, Jesus came and you got left behind, okay? And this really freaks some people out, right? Why? Because the unknown is the worst part, the unknown. Then he says, but I got more bad news, Alex, I got more bad news. And Alex goes, really? It's it's bad enough that I'm already left behind? Yeah. He said, "Um, you know your loved ones? You, You know your loved ones that died? He said, because Jesus came back, um, you don't have any hope. They're not with him. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? First of all, he tells you, Becky, that you're left behind. And then he goes on to tell you that the people you love are not with Jesus. You're just broken. Wait, wait, wait. My, my me, mom, my, my aunt, my, 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 What? What? And this really shook some people up. I mean, think about it. Paul comes into our town. He establishes a church. He sets up leader. He appoints a pastor. Then he's run out of town, and you haven't heard anything. You don't know what's going on with Paul. You don't know if he's alive or dead. Listen, he's not tweeting. I was going to say something there, but I didn't. Thank you, Lord, for the, anyways, he's not on Instagram, he's not on Facebook, he's not on anything, so they don't know what Paul's doing. They don't know what Paul's doing. In the meantime, guess what happens? Grandma's, grandpa's died? Grandma's died? Cousin? Mom? Son? And they had all given their hearts to Jesus at Paul's preaching, but now they're passed on. And this fella shows up and he says, I miss the rapture, and, and my loved one has no hope in being with God? This is not a good situation. This is not a good situation, okay? So two major things seem to be happening that Paul has to address. You go, what's that? Well, if you're taking note, he wants to address this. What happens to Christian loved ones who have died before Jesus comes back? So that's a good question. Okay, because every one of us have had Christian loved ones. I'm reminded of my grandmother. My grandmother, I'll never forget. She always prayed before she went. You, I, I used to watch her growing up. She always prayed, and as she was on her deathbed, she she made it known to the family that she wanted to be buried facing east. Now I come to realize that most of the most of the people do that. But she specifically said, I want to be facing east. Well, the family didn't understand why. And I said, well, they, we believe that Jesus, when he comes, he's going to come back from the east. And so she wanted to be. So, so this is my, this is my grandma. This is, this is the one who's praying. This is, and so what happens? I, I want to know, is she with Jesus? Where, where is she? The second thing that Paul's going to address, guys, is he's going to address what happens as a result of Jesus coming back for his church. What's going to happen? How is that going to happen? Okay? Now, when I began to put this message together, I ran out of time. So we're going to talk about the hard podzo next week. But today, today, I want to leave you with encouragement. I want to really encourage you about those believers who have passed and where they are right now. And I hope that if you're not right with God, that you would say, yes, yes. That's the hope I want to leave us with. Okay, so what happens to loved ones who have died in Christ? Well, look at verse 13. Paul says, I do not want you to be ignorant brethren, Concerning those who have fallen asleep. Everybody say fallen asleep. Okay, why? Because he says, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. Let me unpack it here. Okay, this is going to get good, I promise. If you're a good note taker, I want you to first and foremost circle that word for ignorant. Very important in the Greek. Why? Because Paul says to you and I, I don't want you to be, and the Greek word is aganeo, aganeo. And what it means is, I don't want you to misunderstand. I, I, I don't want you not to know. Don't you love Paul? I don't want you to be in the dark. I want you to know. I love that about Paul. Why? Because the Apostle Paul goes, listen, you guys need to know. You need to know. This has got to be in your heart. Well, the question I would have is, know what, Paul? What, what, what do you want me to know? What, what is it that you really want me to understand so that I have peace? What does he say? I want you to know about those who have, what did I ask you to say? asleep. Fallen asleep? Fallen asleep? I don't want you to be in the dark about that. Well, if you have a pencil handy, you can put this here. It's those who have died. It's those who have died. Now, you'll have some people that take the word and go, oh, okay, see, here's what happens. When you die, you just really, it's just like falling asleep. That's what it is. No, no. it's You die. Okay? Because when you fall asleep... Then your wife comes over and slaps you on the face and says, wake up, we got to go. What, what, what's the matter? That's, that's asleep. But, but the word, Paul, but, but, so, so, but, but Paul didn't use die, did he? He didn't employ, he didn't employ that word. Why, why would Paul imply the term fall asleep? Why would he? Because guys, he loves you so much. Why does Paul love you? Because he's got the love of Christ flowing through him. Point, point. That's how we should be every day. The love of Christ should flow through us, in us, and through us, out to others. That's how it should be. That's how it should be. Whether you're homeless and, and, and have no hope, the love of Christ has got to flow through us. Or whether you have a million dollars and feel like you have no need of nothing, the love of Christ has got to flow through us. Listen, listen, church, please. We're in a critical stage. With coronavirus, COVID-19, whatever you want to call it, there are more people, guys, that are taking their own lives based upon this whole pandemic. And, it's, and, and they feel like they have no hope. And, and you know what scares me? It's children. You understand. Listen. Listen. When I was in high school, my dream was to play in the NBA. The problem was, as I stopped growing. Okay? I'm like, but I had that dream. You understand, I wanted to go to college and play ball. I wanted to go. This is what I want. And when, and, and when the world takes that away from our kids, you have no hope. We don't know what's going to happen. They feel like they have nothing. And church, this is where we've got to come in with the love of Jesus and the hope in God. And the hope in God. Do you guys remember? Do you guys remember Moses? Do you guys remember he's he's standing at the Red Sea? The enemy is approaching. Bah, 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 bah. Pharaoh and his army, right? And the people are freaking out. You, it, they're just they're. Tri- we have nowhere to go. We're all going to drown. We can't go back because. What does he do? It says the Lord says, "Be still." And know that I am God. Be still. There are times we just got to go, I got to tell you about Jesus, but we just got to be still. What's going on in our world with with, with politics? Are you kidding me? Be still. Be still. God knows. God knows. And just because we can't see it in the forefront doesn't mean he's not working in the background. Be still. Watch God show up. How is he going to do it? I don't know. I don't know, Eva. I don't know how he's going to do it. I don't know what's going to But I know I have hope in him. And I know, listen to me, and this should be a big amen. I know this is not my home. This is not my home. Well, did you see what our president's doing? This is not my home. She's passing through. My citizenship is in heaven. Well, of course she would say that, because... You're the pastor. No, that's that's that's, that's all of us. Our, our citizenship isn't here. Alex, what should we do? What should we do? For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Okay? So what am I going to do? Tamri, what are we going to do? Here's what we're going to do. Here's what we're going to do. Ready? We're going to live for Jesus. And when we die, we get to be with him. Amen. But until then, we got a lot of work to do. Okay? Because there's a lot of family that need loving. There's a lot of family. There's a lot of people that just need a hug. Listen, listen, don't tell anybody I said this, but there's a lot of people who need a smile. Okay? They do. Remember we used to do that? Remember? Do you remember the good old days when we could smile at somebody? (laughs) We need that, guys. We need that. Because a smile, guys, it goes a long way. And a hug goes a long way. And I get it. I get it. But we need a smile, man. It's okay. God's not done yet. God's not done. So the Apostle Paul doesn't use the term death. He says, I, I, listen, I want, to want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep. Now, why, Paul, why would you use that term fall asleep? I mean, you surely know the word died. I mean, I'll tell you why. You ready? Check this out. Because death is so permanent and our view of death is so permanent. Yet Paul is telling us that death for the believer is not a permanent thing. Somebody? 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 Right? Why? I want you to catch this. Why? Because it'll bring hope. Paul, under the power of the Holy Spirit, he could have used the term died. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant about those who've died. Everybody dies. Amanda, everybody dies. But he does it because he says, no, no, no. Because our view of death is permanent, okay? Because the body stays here. Guys, we, we see that. We mourn. It hurts. And and what really hurts is they, we see it go into the ground. And we go, man, that's permanent. But to God, that's not permanent. And that's why Paul says, no, they just, he's just fallen asleep for a second. He just, he gets asleep. Cause one day, at the trumpet sound, they're gonna wake. They're gonna wake. And they're gonna go first, at the trumpet sound. And so I was thinking, I said, I said, Mel, where's Mel? Is he here? Is he outside? Mel, I need you to blow the trumpet. You know what Mel said? Will a harmonica do? I said, no, Mel, the Lord isn't coming back with a harmonica. He goes, I don't know how to blow a trumpet. And I said, oh, okay, no worries. So Jesse, you got a trumpet? You got a trumpet, Jesse? Because I want to blow that trumpet. Next week, we're going to blow the... He says, boom. Guys, here's our hope. Here's our hope. All the loved ones that have died before, all the ones in Jesus, they go first. They go first, man. He says, it's not permanent. But, Pastor, I'll miss them here on earth. I know. I miss my mom. I miss my sister. I, yeah. But it's not permanent it's not permanent. Now, the second reason why Paul uses the term fallen asleep is so that we don't sorrow as others that have no hope. Guys, I have been to funerals where I have seen wailing and sorrowing like I've never seen before. And I, oh my And I've been to and done and directed Christian funerals where it's like, it's like a party. Oh, they're going to, don't get me wrong. They're not like, well, they're like, we're going to miss them. But you don't understand. This is just temporary. This is temporary. You're going to see him again. You're going to see him again. And so what, and so the picture that Paul is painting here is is one of hopelessness. People who have no hope in a future resurrection, they sorrow, guys. And the word sorrow means distress, to, to to be in heaviness, to be super bombed all the time. And he goes, I don't want you to do that like others who have no hope. Others who have no hope. Think about this. We need hope, don't we? Because it's been said, guys, that man can live 40 days without food. Three days without water, eight minutes without air, but only one second without hope. It was Pearl Buck who said this, and I quote, to eat bread without hope is still slowly to starve to death. End quote. We gotta have hope. We have hope. Do you understand? This is why we celebrate Easter. Because it's not about bunnies and it's not about eggs. And it's not about fruit, little baskets. and All that's fine. Enjoy that. But what I'm saying is it's the resurrection of Jesus. That's where we believe that gives us our hope. Not only hope for us, Yvonne, but hope for all those who have gone before us. That's where, this is why we celebrate. This is why we celebrate. And Paul writes to you and me, I, I don't want you to be ignorant, guys. And I love that he says brethren, because brethren is the term family. I don't you're family. I don't want you to be ignorant. Thank, thank you, Paul. He goes, there's a lot of people who have no hope. They, they they don't have any hope. But but think about it. You and I are not to sorrow as believers, like others who have no hope. Because the believers who died here, mm, they've only fallen asleep really in the arms of Jesus. How? Well, look at verse 14. He says, For if we believe, everybody say believe, if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Okay? You guys see this in verse? He, he he employs the term died, so he knows the term died, but then again he says sleep again. Okay? And again, he says, For if we what? Believe. Believe. Ready? Jot this down. You behave what you believe. You behave what you believe. You really do. If you believe that Jesus died and rose again, then you know that your loved one is going to come back with him. All those who have fallen asleep. Okay? Before Jesus came to earth, death seemed very permanent, did it not? And you go, why? People had no hope in being with Christ. You go, what do you mean? Okay, put your mind okay back in that. Um, think about all the Old Testament saints. Okay, think about the Old Testament saints. Okay, all they had is what was called atonement. They could only atone for their sins. You and I can go to Him and He completely forgives us of our sins. Check it out. Our past, our present, and our future gone. He forgives us of our sins. He didn't just, but the Old Testament, they just had atonement. You guys with me? Okay? It, It covered them, but it didn't remove the stain. Right? It didn't remove the stain. It's like when you wash something in the in the washing machine and you pour in all this stuff and you pull it out and there's still the stain. Ah, oh, what is it? It's ruined. I can't get rid of the stain. But Jesus comes in and he washes that thing and it's white as snow, white as snow. It's The thing about it is that if you go back to the Old Testament, they were all guilty of sin. When Jesus, help me guys, when Jesus died and rose again, the one thing he did is he took our place. Okay? He took our place. So death is no longer a permanent thing. You understand what Jesus did for us. Woo is good. This is why belief always comes first. Because you behave what you believe. When we put our faith and trust that Jesus died and rose again. But like those those late-night commercials, but wait, there's more, right? You go, what do you mean? He says, even so, God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. So this answers the question. You go, what's that? What happens to believers who have died? What happens to them? Where are they? Well, here's the thing. God is going to bring them with him, which indicates they're with him. They're with him. Your mom, your cousin, your aunt, your loved one, your best friend, all those who have died in Jesus, they're with him. They're with him. Two years ago, we went to Israel. We went to Israel, and we met some amazing friends from Amarillo. And we were in Tiberias, part of Tiberias in the Sea of Galilee, and and we were walking back to the hotel. We had went to see the sea, and it was late at night. And we were walking back, and as we were looking at our hotel, I had a lady who was next to me literally slip off the sidewalk Literally seemed like she bounced and came back up. And I'm scared, right? Because people get hurt all the time. And I thought, she's, she was like 72? And I'm like, oh my God. And then I was thinking, Pastor Bill's going to kill me. This is one of his. I was supposed to be watching. Her. I didn't invite her. But anyway, she, she literally bounced. It seemed like she's up. She's like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. I said, I said, Dixie, are you sure? Are you sure you're okay? Dixie, are you, sure? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. So the rest of the trip, man, we, We became close friends, and then when we got back, she and her husband came here, and they just loved us and supported us. And and about a year ago, Dixie found out that she had cancer. And this past Monday, she graduated into heaven. She's going to come with him. she's going to come with him. She's there. How do I know? Again, the Bible tells me. You go, what do you mean? Well, the question is, where are they now? Well, that's a good question. And Luke's gospel actually shed some light on this, okay? You can turn there or you can watch it on the screen, but this is a tale of two people who have died, okay, where they ended up. You guys with me? Luke chapter 16 in verse 19, it says, there was a certain rich man Who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day, right? Sumptuously. That's right. That was good. Okay. But there was another man. It was a certain beggar named Lazarus. And he was full of sores who was laid at his gate. And desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table, moreover, the dogs came and licked the sores. So it was that the beggar died, and he was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. Everybody see that? The rich man also died and was buried. And being in torments in Hades, he lifted his eyes, and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Wait, 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 what? Well, here's the thing, guys. In verse 23, the term... Hades, do you guys see that? He says, and being tormented in Hades, okay? Now, let me explain this to you so you understand. Hades had two compartments. Before Jesus died, if you died like Lazarus or the rich man, you went to either one. If you believed in God, if you put your faith in God, like Abraham did, you went to what was called Abraham's bosom. Okay, and Abraham's bosom was often called paradise. There was also another compartment called Hades. We call it hell, but it really isn't hell, it's Hades, okay? So you got two compartments, you guys with me? When Jesus died, what does the Bible say? That he descended first, okay? Where did he go? Well, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8, therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and he gave gifts to men. So we know that he went and he descended first, but then he then ascended and he led captivity captive. You guys with me? But we still have two compartments. Two compartments, okay? When Jesus died on the cross, he went to Hades. But he went to Abraham's bosom. He went to paradise. You go, okay, okay. Remember the thief on the cross. How many of you remember the thief on the cross? Okay, you had two dudes. Okay, right? Jesus is between them. And one of them says, listen, I'm paraphrasing, okay, so don't be like, that's not accurate. I'm paraphrasing. Jesus is on the cross, and one of them's like, dude, if you're God, get us down. What's wrong with you? And the other's like, really? We deserve this. Jesus, be with today. What does he say? He says, um, Jesus, forgive me. And what does Jesus say? Jesus looks at him and he says, today you will be with me in paradise. Abraham's bosom. So when, when Jesus died, Jesus went down there, and probably a few hours later, here comes the dude. He's like, Jesus, this is awesome. But the other dude came, but he came over here. You're like, wow, dude, that's trippy. So what did Jesus do? Jesus says, hey, guys, you guys are here in Abraham. Do you believe in me? Whoa, we've been waiting for you. You guys ready to go home? And he led captivity captive. He says, let's go. Let's go. These people here died without believing in Jesus. They're still in Hades. Listen, this is sobering, okay? The people who die today without Jesus, without knowing Jesus, go to this place right here. Abraham's wisdom is empty. It's empty. So they're in, here's what we know scripturally, they're in torments. And this makes it all the more important for us to tell people. It's all the more to be praying for our loved ones. So it's not; a, It's not a game. It's not a game. It's not a roll of the dice. I hope you make it. It's not a game. Well, you go, Ben, everybody believes in Jesus. Yeah, but Scripture says that even the demons believe in Jesus, but they're not saved. You've got to put your faith and trust. And let me take it even one step further, because Tammy's right here. We have to be careful that as we're brought up in a Christian environment, that we can almost think we're saved and not be saved. We're taught how to do everything well, and we're taught how to say amen, and we're taught good God bless you. And but, but has Jesus transformed the inside out? And if you ever get a chance, talk to Tamri. What a beautiful testimony! Love it of what God did in her life. Oh, oh. So where did they get the term "leading captivity captive"? This is a phrase that was used when the Romans would come and conquer other countries. You guys got that? They would open the prison doors of their enemies. So if you were in prison in Rome's enemy's country, Rome would come in and they'd open the prison doors and allow them to be set free. So if you got, if you were one of, you, oh, I hope they come and conquer us. Why? Because when they come in, they'll, I'll be free. I'll be free. That's what happened. So you can imagine when a Roman legion began to besiege a city, the prisoners were pulling for the Romans. Go, yeah, come on! Because as soon as Rome comes in and destroys the city, they're free. So oftentimes, guess what prisoners would do? They would revolt from within. You're like, wow, now catch this. The prisoners would be set free, taken back to Rome and they would be marched at the back of the victory parade as part of the freed, now part of Roman citizens. So when Rome won, they'd have a victory parade. Guess where the prisoners were? They're in the back. I'm free, and they're going in. Now set free to follow Rome. That's leading captivity captive. That's what Jesus did. You once were enemies, but now we're free. Now we're free. Now we're free. That is so cool. Paul, under the power of the Holy Spirit, uses this phrase. He says, man, in talking about Jesus, he says, coming back to paradise, he's going to lead those who are not in heaven yet back to heaven in a glorious victory. Can you imagine? Oh, Lord, I want to be in that number, right? Man, that just, that's a great, why? Because because Dixie, who, man, she, she's not in the parade, but she's already there. But those, old, can you imagine, Moses, what's going on? It's time to get in the parade, let's go. Abraham, right? All of these Old Testament saints. So where are they now? They're in heaven. They're in heaven. That is literal heaven. They're with Jesus. And I bet if we could talk to any one of them, they're rooting for you. Finish well. Finish well. Finish well. You got this. It's, it's glory. Oh man. Oh man. Do you remember what the rich man, you remember what the rich man did later on in the story? You remember what the rich man did? He said, Abraham! Hey, I'm dying over here. You guys know the story, but do you remember what he said? He said, please let me go back up to warn my brothers not to come here. So on this side, we got people in heaven going, dude, you're going to make it. It's going to be good. This is going to be, come on, come on, hurry. Okay, take your time, but hurry, you know. And then on this side, you got people going, "Please please don't let him come here. Please don't let him come here. Somebody warn him. Somebody warn him. And now I wish I had time to get into the hard podzo, but I don't. So let's go ahead and close. Let's go ahead and close, because you know exactly what happens. Let me just recap. Okay. This is what happens to a believer who takes his or final breath here on earth. And we know them. We know them. Because Jesus died in our place. And he rose again. And he took those in Abraham's bosom to heaven. And here's what the Bible says. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. What? Glorious news is that you don't have to fear death. And let me ask, let me tell you this: when you don't fear death, Rosa, is when you truly begin to live. When you don't fear death, when you go, cool, all right. When you don't fear death, when you go, listen, it's it's going to come when it comes. It's cool. I'm not going to die one day before God says, and I'm not going to die one day. I'm going to die when the Lord knows. He knows about it. I'm, I'm cool with that. But what I don't want to do, listen to me, is I don't want to die while I'm living. I don't want to die while I'm living. And I know the Bible says that the devil comes to kill, rob, and destroy, and that's what he wants to do. He wants to kill, rob, and destroy my life, my testimony, who God is? Hmm. For me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Guys, that's what salvation means to you, because I know you're looking at me like, well, you're the preacher, you have to say that. You're the preacher. For me to live is Christ. You, you have to preach it. No, no, no. Let me remind you, God called all of us into the ministry. When you gave your life to the Lord, you stepped up in the ministry. And this is, the, this is what he does. He says, I'm going to take Mike. I'm going to take all you people. I'm going to, okay, go out there. Tell people about me. It doesn't have to be obnoxious, guys. And we don't have to be, we don't, listen, all we have to do is share the love of Jesus. But you know what the best way to share the love of Jesus? Let him go in you and through you. Let him just love through you. That's all you got to do. Ben, what about, and most commentators call them dives, so what about dives, the rich men? <sighs> the sobering thought is this, if you die in your sins, you'll go to Hades, a place of torments, to await judgment. We call it hell, but really, hell is the great white throne Judgment. And so really, here's my point. All the more reasons to make sure you're right with Jesus. All the more reasons. And in just a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to put your faith and trust in Jesus. Now, before I do that, let me remind you, next week, we're going to see what's going to happen to us. Because we're still alive. We know we know what happens. There. We know what happens to those who have died that have put their faith and trust in Jesus. They're with, they're with Him right now, and they're seeing things that Paul says I can't even speak. But here's here's my thought: I wouldn't wish them back. As much as I miss them, I wouldn't wish them back. Why would they want to come back here? You know what? Life is filled with guns and wars, and everyone got trampled on the floor. I wish we'd all been ready. Father, we thank you today for your word and the truth in your word. We thank you, God, for your great love. We praise you and we worship you. And, Lord, I never want to leave, God, a teaching or gathering or service, God, without an opportunity for people to surrender their lives to you. You're still saving people, Lord, and it's a beautiful work of your Holy Spirit. And it's not by my words or, or by anything I said, but it's by your spirit that you're saving people. And so I pray with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you've never put your faith and trust completely in Jesus, you're watching online, you're listening podcast, podcasts, whatever it might be, if you've never given your life to Jesus, but you want to today, then I want to invite you to simply open up your heart and invite him inside. And you go, Pastor, what do I need to do? All you need to do, nobody's watching, is between you and God, but you just need to lift up your hand. You may say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to surrender my life to God once and for all. I want to follow him. I will do whatever he wants me to do, but I want to know that I'm saved. I'd like to invite you to do that right now. I know some of you are watching online and maybe you go, I, I can't. I, I, I can't. You can't see me, but God sees you. And so if if you've never surrendered your life to God or you're, you've been backslidden for just a moment, but you're ready to come home, would you just lift up your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want God to really, I, I, I'm serious about God right now. I want to I, I join his kingdom once and for all. I, I want to be saved. Lord Jesus, I pray that your Holy Spirit would move, Lord, and we would be dependent upon you. Open up our hearts, God. We invite you inside. Forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We choose to follow you today, Lord. We're so excited. The joy that you bring is amazing. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's worship.